0: So kids, you can go and do the store deal and have a good time doing that. That was really good. Um, Why don't you open your Bibles this morning, if you brought one. If you didn't, you can... What's that old saying? Get next to a Christian. (laughs) I wanted to go back and read something that I think is really applicable that I talked about hit on a few times. It's in Joshua. It's about the manna. Remember that manna stuff I was talking to you about a while back? I want to read that again and show you some things I feel like the Lord's been showing me recently about manna. This this really, uh, I think, it's really important right now in this time we're living in. I really feel like the Lord's sort of giving me some insight. But this is, you know, after they crossed into the Promised Land. It's Joshua chapter 5. Uh, verse. I'm just going to read verse 10 through 12. It says, "Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal." Let me stop for a minute. Let me pray. Lord, uh, I feel like I just need your help to say this this morning, and just be able to, to be able to say it in a way that doesn't, uh, <clears throat> that really blesses you, Lord. That's the main thing. And Lord, I believe if you're blessed, we're blessed. And I just ask you to enable me. Lord, to say this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased. Everybody say manna ceased. Now that was really something the Lord just spoke to me a while back. About entering into the promised land in your life, crossing over, you know the, Jordan, the, the spiritual Jordan's of life, and I believe God is calling us to do that. But the thing that really says the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Cana that year. So they had this manna that fell out of the sky every day, six days a week, every day except the Sabbath, and every morning they'd go out and gather the manna, and, and that's what they would have to uh, live on, you know, the whole time they wandered in the wilderness. But when they came into the Promised Land, it, it ceased. It came to an end. And I felt like there's something in that. And I don't really feel like I have the full measure of what it is, but I believe this is what I want to talk to you about. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right up front, I'm going to talk to you about money this morning. And I have never in my life talked, had a message about money. Um, but it's not your typical message i've had many people ask me over the years to do messages on money and i've always refused because i've never really liked messages about money in the church uh, it's just i didn't really like what I heard out there you know but I feel like the Lord really has spoken to me about money and I believe that we're in a time where the the manna could be coming to an end, the manna of economic prosperity in this nation. Uh, in fact, for a lot of people, it has come to an end. I heard on the news uh, that they have estimated uh, a half a million people have lost their job since September 11th. Half a million people. That's a lot of people to not have a job. And there's people in this room that have been effective since then. Now, we were in, you know, the country was in a... The economic downturn before all that happened. That has really pushed us. Um, so I felt like, Lord, I, I just, you know, really need to hear what you got to say about money. Okay? Y'all with me? Or y'all just sitting there like, no. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But I'll tell you this this is not your typical message about money. Okay? This is not typical what you're going to hear. This is my, I have, a... am not typical, so. But I want to give you four facts about money. Okay? These are facts now. Number one, more is said in the Bible about money than any other horizontal thing. In other words, more is said about money than how to raise your children. More is said about money, about how to treat your wife. More is said about money than how to relate to other Christians. More is said about money than how to relate to other people in the world. In fact, if you, this is interesting. You know, oh, we want to be a New Testament church. Well, if you go and read about the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, all the way through Acts chapter 11, in every chapter, money is brought up. Money is brought up. It's interesting. And we sort of shy away from it. Number two, money is representative of three and maybe four of major areas of your life. Okay? It's representative of your time. Right? Right? You get up and go to work for money, right? You're spending your time. It's representative of your ability, your talents, right? You're given something. You're given, you know, some skills to get money. It's representative of your strength. You're given your strength. And in some, some of our cases, it's re, you know, it's representative of our inheritance, if you were blessed to get an inheritance. In other words, if your parents... This is a simple inheritance. If your parents paid for you to go to college, or if your parents paid you to learn some certain skill... You see what I'm saying? Money represents those things. So when you spend your money, when you invest your money, you're investing a big part of yourself. You hear what I'm saying to you? You're investing a big part of yourself. That's the truth. So if you're not handling your money right, you're not handling a big part of your life right. You're not handling your time right, you're not handling your strength right, you're not handling your talents right. And if you've got an inheritance, you're not handling that right. Number three, if God does not have a plan for your money, then a major portion of your life is not under God's control and protection. If God does not have a plan for your life for your money, see God has a plan for your money. That's what I'm, I want to talk to you about. His, his plan. But let me just tell you this: the devil definitely has a plan for your money. The devil has a plan for our money. I think that attack on the World Trade Center. Think about it a minute. What did what was what was that? What did the World Trade Center represent? I almost gave you. Our economics, right? Now, now, this this is a history thing. Anybody who understands history should know this: that there's four major forces that always shape and influence our world from from man's history, right? Matthew, you know this. One of them's economics. One of them's politics. One of them's military. One of them's religion. Think about it for a minute. World Trade Centers was attacked. That's that's our economics. The Pentagon was attacked. That's our military. There was a plan to attack Air Force One or or the White House. That's politics, the political center of this nation. And I'll tell you something. Our religion is being attacked big time, I think, right now. I mean, hard by this statement. Islam is a good religion. That's an attack on Christianity. It is not a good religion. So you see, the four major forces that shape our world have been attacked. Okay? Okay? They've all been attacked, but I want to just talk about the one now turn over to revelations thirteen I want to show you the enemy's plan for your money and just show you how important this subject is y'all feel, y'all okay yeah. revelations thirteen depending on how well this goes I'll do Another part to it, because I can't tell you the whole thing today. But if I don't like it, I reserve right not to say another word about it. I've had several people want to get up and give testimonies about tithing and that kind of thing. I haven't let anybody. It has nothing to do with who you are and what you are. I just didn't want you to do it. Revelations 13. But I do have heard, have heard the Lord speaking through people. And I'll tell you, the Lord woke me up Monday morning on my day off, the day I wanted to sleep a little bit later than I normally do, and started talking to me about this. So that's why I'm really doing it. It wasn't, my, it wasn't in my master plan. Revelation 13, verse 16. Says, this is talking about the, the, the Antichrist. It says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehand. That no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, you look at, think about it for a minute. That is an economic mark. You're not going to buy anything. You're not going to sell anything. You're not going to do anything. So, that's the enemy's plan for, for your money. What the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to control your money, he wants to control your economy. That's his plan. That's part of why he attacked the World Trade Center. He's trying to control this nation's economy. And, I, you know, my pers- this is personal. I don't believe that was the Lord's judgment on this nation. I believe that was the devil attacking this nation's economy. Therefore, I have this belief if the enemy was attacking something, that meant God wanted to use that thing. I think God wants to use the economy of this nation for the kingdom of God, not to make us fat, dumb, and happy. You know, because that's part of our problem, I think, sometimes. We're just fat, dumb, and happy, you know. So the enemy attacked the economy. And see, this is ultimately what the enemy wants to do. If he can get to your economy, if he can get to your money, he can ultimately control and manipulate you. Just like this is his, his ultimate plan here. It's revealed in the Scripture. So what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to build our finances on what the Bible says. We've got to build our, our economics on what God's Word says. You hear what I'm saying to you? Remember I gave you a message not too long ago about building... What you build on, and I was talking a lot about the church, you don't build on moves of God. You build on the Word of God. You build with moves of God. Well, let me say about our economics. We need to build our economics, our personal finances on what the Bible says. We need to use the Wall Street trends to help us, to help guide us. But we do not build on Wall Street trends. If you build on those trends, you will be making a big mistake with your life. Because what you build on determines what's going to happen to you. And if we're building on something that's so much a house of cards as the economy of this nation, and we've seen how much a house of cards it is, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. So we've got to learn how to build on what the Scripture says, on what the Bible says. And what God says about money. Therefore, when things happen, they're going to affect us. You know, when you build on the Word of God and Wall Street collapses, you're going to be affected. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're not. But you won't be destroyed. You won't be smashed. You won't. Your foundation won't be ripped out from under you. It's because you've built your life on something that's everlasting. Are you all happy? <laughs> happy? Turn to Psalm 32. Let me read this one little scripture. Just to kind of encourage... This is to encourage... I'm trying to encourage you and exhort you about this right now. Now, I've told you the devil's plan. I've told you that God has a plan. I want to exhort you right this minute. Then I'm going to tell you what I... Some of the things I see as God's plans for our finances. But Psalm 32, verse 6. And this is really an encouragement for you right now, today. It says, for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. And that's why I was really trying to encourage you this morning, you know, that we need to be seeking the Lord for our nation right now. Because our nation's not destroyed right now. But it's a time when God may be found still for for America, I believe. And we need to seek Him. But then it goes on. It says, surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near Him. Surely in a flood of great waters. You see, when the mark of the beast comes, if it comes in our lifetime, we don't really understand you know, exactly how all that stuff is going to work. Everybody's got theories, but we don't really understand it. But the econo- if the mark of the beast comes, or if a, a real economic calamity happened where there was an absolute depression in this nation, that is not the time on that day to start trying to build your life on God's Word, your finances. It's too late on that day. You hear what I'm saying to you? Today is the day. Right now, I think God has given us a window of opportunity. The church, a window of This it really was a 911, a wake-up call for the church to take a look at ourselves. And I think part of it is we need to take a long, hard look at our finances. Amen. I think it's an opportunity from God for the people of God to take a look at what are we doing financially. It, is our life, is how we handle finances, is it really based on what the Word of God says? Or is it based on, well, the economy's doing great. That's what everything's based on. All our decisions are based on that. Or if it's doing bad, well, you know, all decisions are not based on that. You know? We've got you know, we had the opportunity today. Now, remember I told you a few weeks ago about the banker in Zimbabwe that we met? He was a banker, a young banker. And this guy was young, I think. He seemed young, didn't he? He owns the third largest bank in Zimbabwe called Kingdom Bank. The only bank that made money over there last year or last quarter or whatever. but It made a billion dollars, a billion Zim dollars, which is still a lot of American money. But this is something profound this guy said. This guy said this. He says, where others see disaster, I see opportunity. Where others see disaster, I see opportunity. Now, there is a man who sees by faith. Okay? And the reason he can see by faith is because he has built his finances on faith. He has built his finances on what the scripture says. He didn't build it on what everybody else is built on. Therefore, they're having great economic trouble there, and he's prospering. His bank is prospering. He's being blessed because he has built on something. He was able to see, he's able to see things that other people can't see. And I believe if we will build our finances on the word of God, we're going to be able to see what's really happening. Now here's the thing about faith. What does the Bible say about faith? Faith comes by what? Hearing. And if we don't really hear what God has got to say about money, if we're just so wounded about it, because I'm going to tell you, American church people, a lot of them are wounded by money in the church. Therefore, you've got reluctant teachers and preachers that don't want to say about anything about money because everybody's so wounded by it. Because they think, oh no, here he comes. He's trying to get money out of them. Out of them. He's trying to get his hands in our pocket because the church has this need for money and they're going to preach on money. You know, and there's been such abuse. You know, turn the TV on to some certain evangel- televangelist. They've abused it. They've abused money. They've, they've preached stuff that may have been true. I don't know. You know, because the spirit behind some of that stuff is so discouraging that you can't hardly stand and listen to it. Um, but I'm not saying anything that they say, they're, they're saying is untrue. They, they may be saying some very truthful things. But what we've got to do is we have got to get over our wounds, and that that should tell you something. It should tell you if the enemy has attacked the church like that financially. You hear what I'm saying to you? If we have been attacked, if we have been wounded, if we can't, if if we're reluctant to bring up money in the church, and if people cringe whenever there's. Money's brought. Up. That should tell us the enemy is at work. The enemy is trying to stop something that God wants. The enemy is trying to keep the Word of God from being spoken into people's lives. It should really tell us. So God wants to heal us. He really wants to heal us about finances. You know, and this is the truth about wounds. You get wounded, and somebody put their hands on your wound, you're going to what? You're going to react. You're going to respond. There's going to be a natural pulling away. Right? I mean natural reaction. That's a natural reaction whenever money's brought up. But we need to have a, a healing touch. We need to have this, the, the shepherd to touch our finances. You know, and when he touches them, they're going to be healed. You hear what I'm saying to you? Y'all with me? So that's sort of my goal is uh, that we would get healed this morning. There's people in this room that need some financial healing. You know what I'm saying? Just just in attitudes, you may be all right. You know, your bottom line may be fine, but you need some some healing in your attitudes about money. There's some people that the bottom line's not good. It's it's bad, and they need the Lord to touch them, need the Lord to help them. And I think that's some of the things the Lord wants to do. Is He wants to really come in and help our attitudes and our beliefs about money. Because we need to have that in this hour. So, have I encouraged you and exhorted you and told you what my purpose is and what my reason for saying all this is? Are you all with me? I'm not going to take up an offering at the end of the service. In fact, I am not even going to talk about giving today. Okay? Because there's a lot more to this thing than just giving. Though I will tell you this. I am just made myself into a liar. Giving is a real important part of God's economy. But I'm not. that's not really the... I just want to tell you some three principles. These are like Jesus' foundational principles about money. Okay? And just let these principles speak to you. Are you with me? And like I say, if, I, if we can turn over to Matthew, if I can make it through this and feel like this is a... I feel good about this, then I can, we can do more. You know, I can do more next week, whatever. I'm not going to worry about that. Let the day's trouble take care of itself, right? Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is first and one of His greatest messages ever preached. His most detailed message. Well, I think He gives three principles in the Sermon on the Mount about finances. Three economic principles. Now, these are the principles that we can absolutely build on. Okay? these If we will apply these principles in our life, that's the, that is the very basic foundational thing that we need to be standing on. Uh, let me read uh, 6. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. This is the first one, and in my opinion, it is the best one. Okay, it's Jesus' best principle, and I'll show you why. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Principle number one, this is foundational. Jesus' principle. He said this word, lay up for who? Yourself. Yourself. Principle number one. Anything God ever says about money in the Bible, it's for you personally. You hear what I'm saying to you? Listen, the religious spirit's going to tell you this. Well, you don't give to give. Well, that's a big hogwash lie according to what Jesus is saying. He said lay up for who? Lay up for the church? No lay it for for the mission organization? No. Lay it for a charitable organization? No. Lay it for the for the children that are starving to death? No. That is not what he said. We, we really need to get the truth here. The truth is this, lay up for yourself. It's for you. That's that Jesus teachings on money is all for you. All for you. It's not to help the church. Make it. It's not to help the Christian schools to make it. It's not to help the mission organizations to make it. It's not to build buildings. It's not to do launch great campaigns, evangelistic campaigns. It's not for those things. It is for you. And once you get that principle in your heart, that will bring a lot of healing to you. It's for you. Lay up for yourself. Lay up for yourself, treasure. That's what he was saying. Lay up for yourself. Everybody say, it's for myself. That's principle number one. Principle number two. Let's jump down and read verse 24. Are y'all with me? Now, y'all should have been happy about that one. I would have been happy if I'd have been sitting out there. Man. It's not for the church. It's for me. He's just not really trying. He's really telling me something that's going to help me. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, this is common sense if you think about it. Anything God tells you to do is really to help you. It's really to bless you. It's really to take care of you. It's really to protect you. I mean, so it just makes sense. I mean, it really makes a lot of scriptural sense and really uh, connects in with the whole character of God. So I will say this. Give so God can bless you, so you can be blessed. Lay up treasures for yourself. I'm talking about giving. I promise I wouldn't. All right, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay. Principle number two. Your attitude... Now, this is really important. This is a little bit more difficult. Your attitude towards money reveals your attitude towards God. Your attitude towards money reveals your attitude towards God. Now, does anybody know what mammon is? And and I know your NIV Bible says money, but that is really not... That's bad translation if you study what mammon is. I always wondered, what in the world is mammon? sounds like some sort of, you know, something that you shouldn't talk about in public. You know, that's why I've always read it and thought, what? Mammon? Well, I looked it up, mammon. I wanted to find it, and I I used like two references. One of them is this thing called Robertson's Word Pictures in the New Testament. This is what Mr. Robertson said. He says, Mammon is a Chaldea, Syriac, and Punic word like the Greek word, Plutus, for the money god. That's what he said about Mammon. It was a word for money god or devil. All right, the other one was by Mr. Vine from Vine's Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words. He said, Mammon is a common Aramaic word for riches. That's, you know, really the translation, real translation, riches. Akin, but he goes on. He says, Akin to a Hebrew word signifying to be firm, steadfast. Hence, that which is to be trusted. That which is to be trusted. So, here is my definition for mammon based on those two uh, definitions. And both of those are very uh, reliable. Mammon is not money itself. It is the spiritual power that enslaves people through the love of money. It's the spiritual power that enslaves people through the love of money. Y'all with me? That's what mammon is. That's the definition we're using. I think it's very biblical. So there's two keys I want us to get from this verse about our attitude towards money, revealing our attitude towards God. Number one, it's not hating money. Okay? It's not hating money. You should not hate money. It's hating the demonic forces which enslave people through the love of money. That's what we need to hate. Don't hate money. Hate those demons that enslave people. 1 Timothy 6.10 is a reference. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. Not money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You all with me? That's why we wish to hate those demonic forces because people get pierced through with many sorrows because they have a love for money. It's Demonically inspired love. Number two, this is really it. It is not a matter matter whether we will serve. It's not a matter of whether we will serve, okay? It's only a choice of whom we will serve. It's a choice of you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve Mammon, that demonic force that loves money. And that scripture is real clear. there's no, it's either one or the other. You're either serving God or you're going to serve a demonic thing that imparts a love of money into your heart. There's no tie in it. You understand what I'm saying? This race has no tie. It's either one or the other. And see, we think a lot of times we can get by with both, but you really can't. It's one or the other. Either God is first. Listen, either God is first or your finances are first. There ain't no tie. Between God and your finances. One or the other is going to be first in your life. So if your finances are first, that reveals your attitude about God. It reveals that you believe finances are more important than God. It believes that, yeah, finances are a God. They are to be trusted. It's an idol. You hear what I'm saying to you? That we can trust our finances more than we can trust God. You all with me? Yes. Yeah. Principle number three. Let's read I'm gonna read twenty five through thirty four. Are y'all okay? This is what Jesus said after he talked about that. Oh, this is what Jesus said. That's what's so great about it. I didn't make any of this stuff up. I'm just telling you what he said. Therefore I say to you, do not worry. Everybody say do not worry. It's an interesting word. About your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not more valued than they? Now, let me just make one statement. A lot of people consider that a, that's a lazy man's verse. Well, birds don't do anything and they stay alive. if you ever watch Birds Real Close? Any bird watchers? They're always going after food, looking for food. They're building their nests. They're very active. They don't just sit around on telephone poles like, Okay, drop something in my mouth, God. They don't do that. So, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to to his stature? If you're not very tall this morning, you're not going to get tall by worrying. So why? If you're real tall, you ain't going to get tall by getting short, by worrying about it. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore what? Say that word. Do not worry. Say it. Do not worry. That's the second time Jesus said that. He already said it one time. Do not worry. Now He's saying it again. you think He might be trying to make a point here? Do not worry. Saying, what will we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we eat where? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not what? Everybody say, do not worry. worry. Three times He said it. I mean, you know, a 3 cord is not easily broken. <laughs> for tomorrow will worry about its own thing. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, principle number three. It is God's sincere desire and will that you do not worry about your finances. It is God's sincere desire and will that you do not worry about your finances. Anybody here that, do not worry, that does not worry about their finances, raise your hand. There's one, two, three, four. There's a few. Thank God. Y'all are are good. Y'all are real good. Donna's working on it. These Scriptures tell the rest of us, less spiritual ones, how to not worry. Okay? He tells us. He gives us hints. So for the rest of you that are worrying or tend to worry about your finances and have concerns about your finances, Jesus gives you clear clear uh, instructions on how not to worry. First one is in verse twenty five. He's talking about this. What is he talking about? What you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, about what your clothes are. Is that what he's talking about? First thing you gotta do is do away with unrealistic expectations. In other words, he is not promising you a Mercedes. God is not promising you a Mercedes. He's talking about the basic necessities to live food and clothing. Okay, and a shelter over your head. Now, God promises those things to His people. But He doesn't promise Him all this other stuff that we have bitten into because we're Americans. But i tell you what, you take your American carcass and stick it over there in Zimbabwe, Africa, you'll have a whole different set of expectations. You hear what I'm saying to you? All the world doesn't live like we live. All the world doesn't complain when they don't get new shoes every time they go by the shoe store.